Good morning. My name is Rick Tolliver, and this is Freedom Road Unchained podcast. Very glad that you're joining us today. Uh, each week I share from my original book, uh, World War Me, an inspirational memoir by Rick Tolliver. It's my testimony, essentially. Uh, it's a bit of a, a, a harsh read in places, but ultimately uh, it uh, is a, a story of uh, victory over the darkness through Jesus. We make no apologies for the source of our freedom and power and peace and joy and love and happiness. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the almighty son of God who died for my sins and gave me a new life. The old guy is dead. This is a new creation being made like Jesus from the inside out. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So welcome. Glad you're here this morning. I just had a, a fantastic visit with my three daughters and their children in the great state of Texas. And, uh, we were able to spend uh, three days down there, and uh, we had a very enjoyable time. Uh, it is a huge blessing to be able to do that. As you read my book, you'll understand why. Uh, and let's see, tomorrow is my uh, wedding anniversary. It will be 26 years since uh, God gave me Miss Arlene. And uh, so we'll be celebrating very very simply, very quietly, because we're all worn out from our Texas trip. But that's okay. You don't always have to do it up big. Sometimes peaceful, quiet, uh, and simple is good. Really good. So uh, happy anniversary, Miss Arlene. And uh, this morning we're going to move on to, well, as I started to explain, <clears throat> excuse me, each week, I share, uh, I share from my original book, World War Me, typically on Tuesday. This week, it's on Wednesday uh, because I just got back from a trip. I'm all, all tired. So uh, I'm sharing this morning from this book, and I will do so each week uh, until I have shared the entire book. So you will be able to go to our podcast which you can get to on all of the major platforms, Apple and uh, all of them. Uh, my host is Anchor, and they do a good job, so you can listen to it on Anchor as well. Uh, so uh, uh, when you want to, you'll be able to, to, to get my entire book from my podcast. In the meantime, you can listen to it uh, chapter per week. You can also buy it on Amazon and uh, read along with me uh, because I do tend to interject some personal thoughts uh, as I record it. So it's kind of a, I, I guess you could call it a director's cut. And then the latter part of each week, I share from my new book, which is in process. It is nowhere near finished. Uh, we uh, are writing it. As we write it, we share it. And uh, so each week I will share a chapter, sometimes two chapters, from my new book, which is entitled World War Us, Guardian Angels. It is a fictional book, whereas my first book was an autobiography. Uh, this book is going to be fictional, 
because of the nature, I have to be creative in sharing uh, what I believe about angels and particularly guardian angels. It is based upon God's word. God shares some information with us in the Bible regarding angels and guardian angels and archangels and demons and the demonic world and a lot about the stinking devil, Satan. And so uh, uh, it has some biblical foundation and truth. But it's pretty it's pretty cool. I think you're going to really enjoy this book. I'm looking forward to to uh, doing it myself <laughs> because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth until it comes out sometimes, most times. So God is really the author, you see, and I'm just the recorder, the recorder of his of his uh, of his message. So uh, and that's that's the latter part. This this week, it'll be uh, Thursday. Uh, no, wait a minute. Friday. That is a Friday schedule. Friday mornings, I I share from the book, uh, which is in process and not available for sale yet, uh, which is World War Us Guardian Angels. By Rick Tolliver. Okay, we're going to start here with chapter five. This might be the only chapter I share with you today because I have talked quite a bit. I like to hold the podcast down to about 15 to 20 minutes, which is, I'm told, uh, a really good thing to do. Don't get too windy, but also don't make it too short. So here we go. The title of this chapter is this is chapter five and the title is the latter teen years when i turned 18 i received a, a draft notice from the united states army the war in vietnam was at its peak and more boys were needed to go fight and die in this ignorant pitiful exercise in futility and insult to humanity as you can tell i really uh i I can't tell you how pitiful this thinking war was. I knew people who went and died. I knew people who went and came back and were never the same. Uh, I knew people who went and died and and came back uh, uh, entirely uh, broken. I think that was a, a ignorant, pitiful place in our history. All right, it continues here and says, well, I had no choice. I closed my fares, which took about five minutes, then packed my little bag, which took less than five minutes. Using the train ticket they had given me, I made the 90-minute train ride from my little town in central Missouri to the Kansas City Processing Center, which at that time was located at Union Station downtown. There were hundreds of young men, many just boys like myself, with no real comprehension of what was happening or what would happen to us very soon. I was so stupid, I had no fear or apprehension concerning this whole affair. So I took written tests, physical exams, and was going through the process with flying colors until the psychological exam. I spent the night there. The second morning, I was escorted into an office. Sitting behind a desk was a fellow I assumed was one of the bosses. He was quite serious in all business. He had a stack of folders in front of him lying on a table. He confirmed who I was and then asked me some questions concerning the information in the folders. 
After a short time, he declared the session over. He advised me that I would not be coming to the war and would not be allowed to disgrace the U.S. Army. He seemed genuinely concerned that I might corrupt his army. So I got to ride on the train again, which was kind of fun. I went home, took up where I had left off. I was clueless, of course, so it would be many years before I would appreciate the continuing protection of God in my life, and specifically saving my life again in this, in this instance. Had I gone to Vietnam, I surely would have been killed or possibly worse. Of that, I am sure. I went back to my factory job, my lousy friends, a few loose girls, and the nonsense of a wasted life. I was living at my parents' home, or at least sleeping there, part of the time. It was free. Things had gotten better with my family. My sisters were old enough to manage the domestic duties, which now included child care for my baby brother. In a few years, there would be a final addition to our family, a little bitty girl born premature when my mother was about 40. I guess she was a surprise. I was gone by the time she was born, but we strained to have a relationship over the years. My little brother and I were never close either until many years later at a different place in our lives. The drunken antics of my father had been reduced, but still loomed over our home and family with a dark cloud of dread. His tirades occurred only about once a month. However, in retrospect, I realized that he was sneaking around doing horrible things under the radar. He was insane and of the vilest nature. There were some decent things about him, which is what most people saw the majority of the time. In his own way, to the best of his ability, he loved his family and worked hard to provide for us. On his sober days and nights, he was pleasant and considerate, actually loved by all of us, including me. Unfortunately, on some Friday nights, the monster came, came out and destroyed the love and wasted our hope and trust. However, things were better. My mother no longer had to work, and she was able to care for her young children. I wasn't home much, so I didn't have to know much. Only once did I confront my father. When I was 17, one weekend evening, a friend and I stopped, no, pardon me, a friend, a friend stopped by the house on our way to town. Let me back up. A friend and I stopped by the house on our way to town. I was drunk and my dad was in the front yard. I walked straight up to him and began screaming at him that if he ever harmed my mother again, I would kill him. I jumped on him and we fought. No blows were given or received. We just wrestled. I could tell that I was winning, but for some reason, I could not finish the job. I allowed him to get on top and pin me down. After I agreed through my sobbing to not pursue the matter, he let me up. My buddy and I got into our car and left. No one ever spoke of the matter again. That night, I did some really awful things that I will never speak of. For the next year or so, I, I had pretty much settled into a pattern of working hard during the week and partying hardy on the weekends. 
I was piling up the close calls with serious injury or death. I'd lost my driver's license because I had about 100 tickets and was sinning mightily against humanity. By the young age of 19, I was totally burnt out. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's the end of chapter five. Uh, chapter six is a bit long, uh, so I don't think I have time to share the entire chapter. Uh, I will tell you that things take a turn for the better in chapter six. Um, I wish I had time. I don't want to leave you with all the negatives. Uh, let me just share a couple of paragraphs and I'm going to mark in my book here. Uh, all right, I'm going to share part of chapter six. We have some time here. Chapter six, young love. After being employed at the poultry processing plant for about five years, I was a lead person on one of the production lines. Part of my duties was to train new employees. So one day to my delight, I was to train a beautiful, sexy young lady on one of the packaging machines. Of course, to properly train her, I needed to put my arms around her and show her firsthand how it was done. She seemed to like that as much as I did. We dated for six months to a year before we got married. Two lonely, broken kids looking for love. But she was so much better than me, and she was a Christian. That was okay with me. She was the greatest, and I was so ready for a life change. We had a church wedding and settled into, settled into a little house of our own. On the way back <clears throat> from our honeymoon, I was pulled over by a state trooper for passing on a yellow line. I had no driver's license, of course. I lied to the officer and promised that I, I promised him I had one at home. He said he would check on that, and I better be telling him the truth. So a few days later, he came to our home, handcuffed me, and threw me in jail. My new bride was heartbroken and quite troubled. I was in jail for a week or two before I was released. Seems that someone had gotten me a lawyer, and I was out on bond. I do not remember how that all turned out, but I didn't go back to jail. So I must have paid a fine and no doubt was placed on more probation. A former state senator in my wife's church heard about our situation and used his influence to get me a hardship permit that allowed me to drive back and forth to work and other critical driving needs. Of course, I considered everything I chose to do as critical and never got caught. I did make a conscious effort to drive more sensibly to avoid being arrested again. That was significant progress for me. Something was different in me. It was just a little spark, but it would lead me to the light of Jesus in due time. We were relatively stable and happy for several years. My wife had taken a different job closer to home. One day, she met me in the parking lot of my workplace and was beaming, glowing, and absolutely delighted. She hugged me and informed me that she was pregnant. We were going to have a baby. I received that as good news, which was another indication of my softening soul. I had been giving God some consideration. My wife's faith and belief system 
were having a positive effect on me, but I wasn't ready yet to go all in. I thought that being a better person was how one got to heaven. Turns out that thinking is a shallow trap and that a shallow trap that disregards many absolute truths and the word of God. He must do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, made possible by our, by our acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Having confessed our sins to him and accepting him as our personal Savior, he will place his Holy Spirit inside of us to seal the deal, binding the awesome contract of love and grace. Filled with his heavenly attributes of love, hope, and joy, we will want to follow Jesus in baptism. To continue to grow, we need to become a part of a local Bible-believing church where we are able to be supported as well as prepared for service. Eventually, we will be ready to give away what we have been given. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I will resume chapter 5 uh, and finish it up, and then probably chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 7. Uh, next week. So I'm going to uh, mark my place so I, I don't get too far off. And I'm going to wrap it up. I appreciate you very much taking the time to listen to me. Uh, I, I hope that you're getting something from this, from the sharing of this book. And I ask that if it's something that you enjoy, you pass it on to others. Ask them to check it out. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend coming up before too long. Oh, wait a minute. What is today? Today is only Wednesday. Okay, let's let's just pray that we'll have a good rest of the week, okay? That's more that's more fitting. I want you to remember that no matter how difficult life gets at times, God's got it if we allow it. And so I'm gonna sign off for now. And uh, as always, easy does it.